traditional black community of Los Angeles sprang into action. According to historian Cecilia Rasmussen, freed slave Elizabeth Rowan, who distrusted Smith, sent word to Los Angeles County Sheriff Frank DeWitt that Biddy and the other slaves needed help. DeWitt, aided by wealthy black businessman Robert Owens, rode to their camp and served Smith a writ of habeas corpus. He was ordered to appear in court for persuading and enticing and seducing persons of color to go out of the state of California. To keep them safe, Mason and the other Smith slaves were taken to the city jail in Los Angeles. In January 1856, all eyes were on the courtroom of U.S. District Judge Benjamin Hayes as the trial began. Smith claimed that Mason and the other 14 people he had kept in the canyon were members of his family who voluntarily offered to go with him to Texas. Although Mason was not allowed to testify against a white person in court, Judge Hayes invited her into his chambers, where she gave an entirely different account of what had happened. I have always done what I have been told to do, Mason told the judge. I always feared this trip to Texas since I first heard of it, Mr. Smith told me I would be just as free in Texas as here. When the judge explained that, due to a state law, her minor children could not be taken to a state where they could become enslaved, Mason replied, I do not want to be separated from my children and do not in such case wish to go. On January 19th, Judge Hayes ruled in favor of Mason and confirmed she was free. All of the said persons of color are entitled to their freedom and are free forever, he wrote. He hoped they would become settled and go to work for themselves, in peace and without fear. Now rid of Smith once and for all, Mason and her daughters moved into the Owens family home in Los Angeles. Her eldest daughter, Ellen, married the Owens' son, Charles, who she had been courting for several years. Through the Owens, Mason met Dr. John Struther Griffin, a white native Southerner who was impressed with her nursing skills. She went to work with Dr. Griffin as a nurse and midwife and would eventually deliver hundreds of babies in Los Angeles. In her big black medicine bag, she carried the tools of her trade and the papers Judge Hayes had given her affirming that she was free. Soon, Mason was known by every citizen as Aunt Biddy. She was quickly beloved in the dusty town of Los Angeles, which numbered only 2,000 or so residents, less than 20 of whom were black. But her new life was not without heartache. In 1857, her middle daughter Anne died, probably of smallpox. Both Owens and Griffin were involved in real estate and urged Mason to join them in this solid form of investment. By 1866, she had finally saved enough money to buy the Spring Street property. Ellen remembered that her mother firmly told her family that the first homestead must never be sold. She wanted her family to always have a home to call their own. Mason's small wood frame house at 311 Spring Street was not just a family home. It became a refuge for stranded and needy settlers. She also apparently ran a daycare on the property for working women and allowed civic meetings to be held there. In 1872, a group of black Angelinos founded the first African Methodist Episcopal Church at her house. The church met at the Mason home until they were able to move to their own building. She also continued to invest in real estate, while always making sure to give back. According to the Los Angeles Times, 
she was a frequent visitor to the jail, speaking a word of cheer and leaving some token and a prayerful hope with every prisoner. In the slums of the city, she was known as Grandma Mason and did much active service toward uplifting the worst element in Los Angeles. She paid taxes and all expenses on church property to hold it for her people. During the flood of the early 80s, she gave an open order to a little grocery store, which was located on 4th and Spring Streets. By the terms of this order, all families made homeless by the flood were to be supplied with groceries, while Biddy Mason cheerfully paid the bill. Mason continued as a midwife, eventually setting up her own business. She remained very close to her daughters and their children, insisting that her grandchildren be educated and self-determined. My grandmother proved my salvation, her grandson Robert, who became a wealthy businessman and activist, remembered. She told my father that he could not make a farmer or a blacksmith.